The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Oh, well done, Greg. I'm just going to carry on doing that. Greg's just dropped his microphone. Holly, how late was Greg for this podcast as well? Oh, I don't want to be part of the dobbin in, but uh, we Come were on, here. We had a lovely catch-up prior to Greg's arrival and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Are we actually recording? Yeah, this is going in. This is oh, right. Okay. This is, this I mean, I've literally is... have just dropped my microphone for those who are wondering what that loud bang was. <laughs> I'm hoping the producer leaves, leaves that in. So he's late. And in other news, gruesome Greg Evans, not global Greg Evans, going to St Andrews last night as well. Oh, my days. Greg, how was it? It wasn't the best experience, if I'm honest with you, to be honest, yeah. Is that to do with the game or to do with the facilities? Just, just, just a bit of everything, to be honest. It's, it's, it, look, there aren't going to be many Villa fans that are going to agree with me here, but it is sad to see how that club has fallen on really tough times, to be honest. Oh, it's so uh, sad. As a neutral reporter here, uh, who, who, who has covered both Birmingham City and, and Aston Villa for almost a decade, you know, the differences between Aston Villa and Birmingham City now is huge. Absolutely huge. Being honest, I would like them to be a little bit better because I would like to play them again at some point and it doesn't feel as if that's ever going to happen, certainly not in, in the league. But yeah, the way they've been running is an absolute disgrace. I'm only, I'm only messing around. Other than that, Greg, other than having to go there, you okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. It's not quite as rosy outside as it, as it was last time we spoke on the podcast, purely because it's starting to get a little bit dark yeah, now. Late um, the, the nights are drawing out, though, so that does make me much happier. I'll be on that golf course very soon on the evening. So yeah, um, You always yeah, pick good, up when there's golf to be had. That's when you get the best out of Greg Evans, when the it's golfing Greg Evans is, is, is there. Yeah, Holly, I mean, we usually record at 8am, 9am. It's 4.30 today. We've been waiting. It feels like we've been waiting for Greg since about 8am, to, to be fair. How are you feeling? Fresh? Yeah, I mean, news is definitely keeping the news team busy. Uh, and now that we're at the end of the month, it's it's quite tiring, but it's still just as fun being in the office with everyone. Um, we had the pleasure of podcasting together earlier this morning anyway, um, mm. on the transfer podcast, yeah, which was a ton of fun. I mean, it was this afternoon. But Sorry, this that, afternoon. Yeah. It just feels like a lifetime <laughs> between that podcast and this podcast. So, um, no, it's been a good day. It's been a good few weeks with the, with the transfer deadlines and stuff. So I always enjoy it. Can I just pull, pull you up on that, Holly? Sorry, Dan did another podcast. That's an unusual. It's not like me. I don't do many. It's, it's not like me. I don't like, I don't like to talk about my podcasts too much, to be fair, Greg. We have got some good news, though. It's a bit of a one. So we've got, a, we've got a win to talk about, Greg. You were there at Goodison Park. Better than the St Andrews trip? Uh, yeah, much better. Um, a decent game, actually. I, yeah, it was I, I quite, good en- quite enjoyed it. I thought, I thought Villa were... Villa by far the better team, uh, but, but Everton did have a couple of chances, didn't they? So towards the end, I was a little bit nervous. I thought Villa might give this away. Um, speaking to some of the locals at Everton, they actually was, were comparing their current side to Villas of 2015 and 16. And I've done a bit of that. Yeah, and I kind of thought, wow, I mean, do, are you sure you want to compare them to to that year? Because that year was pretty horrific. Um but the feeling is just not good inside Goodison Park as well. And yeah, it was a great win for Villa, but also a little bit sad seeing the, the supporters uh, f- from the Everton from the Everton side sort of staying behind after singing to get the board out, um, protesting. I mean, it just felt like a weekend of protests. You know, there were so many disappointed fans across the country. It just makes it 
so much sweeter for Villa at this moment in time because everything seems like it's going in the right direction for that club. Yeah, I feel sorry for Everton because we've all been there. We've been there as Villa fans and, and, and witnessed when you could just do nothing. You were helpless as the club spiralled completely out of control. I will say I don't think Everton will go down this season, but I do think they're in the kind of cycle that Villa are in where they're, they're circling the drain and at some point if something doesn't change, they will have a season like the season Villa did when, when they went down, Holler. Yeah, I agree. I mean... I think fortunately for Everton, there are teams that are already way worse off than them, and like pretty much already, <laughs> pretty much already relegated in my mind. I, like I, I agree with you, Dan. I, I don't see Newcastle finding a way out. I don't see Watford finding a way out, even with Roy Hodgson coming in. So I think Everton will just about scrape by this season. Going back to what Greg said in terms of seeing the fans in such a negative um, mindset at the moment. Uh, I might be wrong on this, but Everton have so much history behind them. They're such a prolific team within the Premier League and, and all its history. So I'm not surprised that it is such doom and gloom for, for the fans right now because the Premier League is everything to that club and they have been part of the Premier League for so long. So to lose that and to get relegated, it, it would be such a big thing for Everton. So even though I'm glad that we won on the weekend, especially with, with Lucas Dini returning and, and you know Gerard going up against Everton, it was great to watch them win. But I do feel for the fans and hopefully the club can turn things around with whoever they decide to appoint. You don't want to be going down with a new ground on the horizon. That's the absolute last thing that Everton need. Luca Dean was at the centre of things, Greg. Probably a good some a good way to look at how Everton are at the moment. You know, they sacked Rafa Benitez, as we said last week, but they'd let Luca Dean go the week before, which makes literally no sense at all. And then he rocks up at Goodison Park and gets more assists. No, he's now got more assists against Everton than he did for them. Yeah, I, I wrote my match piece around Luca Dean and, and just how important his deliveries are going to be in the times ahead. Yeah, really good. I thought the corner was brilliant. Well-worked corner. Clearly, they'd worked on that in training because they almost scored from that exact same routine against Man United. Um, absolutely brilliant header from, from Buendia. Brilliant movement. Uh, re- a really clever, all-round, well-worked move. Um, I think Villa have got seven goals from corners from an, ex- from an XG at 1.8, which is... I thought it was nine. Awesome I think. could be completely wrong. I thought I read nine somewhere. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, we'll double check, but I, th- I think it's seven. But um, I think there's only one more team in the Premier League alongside West Ham who have scored more goals from corners than Villa. So they're, they're doing things right at that area. Nine set pieces, that's what I read. Yeah, Nine yeah, so seven corners. Rather than corner. yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, there we go. Got them in the end. And Dean, you played well. I thought. I thought for the first sixty minutes, he was he was getting forward. He was excellent. Defended quite well. When Anthony Gordon came on, it became a little bit of a tougher test for him. Um, he had the beating of him with his pace. There was one moment where he got past him, ran down the wing, and put a beautiful cross in. And how Calvert Lewin didn't score was, you know, still still beyond me. Um, so. As, as we've mentioned in previous pods now the last couple of weeks, still waiting to see just whether Dina is a big improvement on that target defensively. Certainly going forward he is, he's going to offer more, Villa are going to score more goals from, from that side of the pitch now, absolutely no doubt about that. Um, if he can show that he's better defensively then he'll turn out to be a really, really good signing for Villa. Does it almost not matter if he's better defensively? Because Steven Gerrard wants Villa to be this front foot team. And Luca Dean's probably going to aid that more than Matt Target, I would say. So it's yeah. almost as if if he's not as good defensively, at some point it might not matter because Villa are going to have more of the ball and be more of a front foot side. 
Yes and no, Dan. I think you've got to have the right balance in the Premier League. There are so many teams that are uh, on the level of Villa right now. If they go gung-ho in games, which I'm sure they won't, I'm sure Gerard knows exactly what he's doing. If they have too many attacking players on the pitch and they concede early or maybe even concede two in a game, the backs, you know, it's difficult to get that back. It's just finding that right balance. I think, yes... Villa fans want to hear that Gerard is trying to make the team more of a possession-based team, more of a team that plays on the front front foot and actually takes the game to opponents. Yes, that's what we all want to see, we all want to hear. And I've watched a lot of championship football over the last couple of weeks and my Lord, it, 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 a Villa are a miles better team than most of them and the way they play. Um, okay. I feel genuinely spoiled watching Villa every week now when I, when I watch a lot of these other teams because they're miles better, even some of the Premier League teams towards the bottom. But you just have to get the right balance because if Dina and Cash are pushing on too much, that's going to cause um, problems in the middle areas. It means that the, the central midfielders have to provide more cover. Have Villa really got the defensive midfielders at this moment in time to provide that cover? I don't think they quite have. Um, and when they come up against the elite teams, which we've seen already, uh, you know, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, they've struggled, haven't they, to get results. So that's where they're going to get onto that next level. But they just need to get the balance right. Positive signs from Dean across his first two games. Yeah, 100%. Very much so. Holly, we got to see the Stephen Gerrard stare. Again, he's visited a few of his favourite haunts over the last few weeks. First, there was there was Old Trafford where he'd had some good days and then at Goodison Park. He absolutely just revels in stuff like this, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And like even just like the little things that like you can see his little claret and blue tie that he wears and he, he dresses so professional and then to, just to stare at the Everton fans, I just like... I just want more of Stephen Gerrard injected into my veins because it just makes me so excited to know that you've got an, a manager who thrives in the shithousery that is the Premier League football and also just wants to thrive at Villa in his first job in the Premier League. It's it's really refreshing to see and I think that's what made me so excited when Dean Smith came in and I'm glad that that kind of excitement can carry through now. Gerard's here. So, I mean, for him to get that win and to just stare them down, it's just the best day out for him, isn't it? And I, he posted like an Instagram post and it looked like all the coaching staff with him and it, just, it was just such a great picture of, of them all enjoying it over at Everton. So... Stephen Gerrard is is the man that I am obsessed with right now at Villa Park. <laughs> Holly Percival from the Athletics News team injecting things into her van. <laughs> you know what I mean. That is a saying. That is a saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's been a saying on the the Athletic at any point, but fair fair play to you, Holly. Really getting in, into it there. You've lost me there. To the be fan fair. in me came out there. I just couldn't not. I know. Well, to be fair, <laughs> you're talking like that. Violent scenes at the ground. The Lucas Aid bottle hitting Matty Cash flush in the head. Luca Dean went down as as well, Greg. Not really what we like to see. I, I find it funny that people say, oh, they should be celebrating in front of the Everton fans. I mean, 75% of the ground is Everton fans. So if you score a goal, you're probably going to be celebrating in front of Everton fans. How about let's just not throw things at footballers? Yeah, I've heard a few people saying that. It makes um, sense. The, pl- the, players should, the players should be careful where they celebrate in front of. Um, yeah, okay. Maybe they could have celebrated a little bit slightly towards the centre of the pitch rather than right on the um, corner flag or right on the, the touchline. Yeah. I don't know, but look, you can't blame the players in that in that respect. Bloody hell, they're, they're on the pitch. They should be safe from um, objects thrown at them for sure. Uh, no, and it's not, not what we like to see. We know that supporters get frustrated when you can see goals, of course, but you need to channel your anger and, and not take it out in that, that way. Um, I don't think I've ever 
thrown a bottle at anybody at a football ground when I've been angry. So I think if you did, someone you, probably else. you probably wouldn't be working for the Athletic Government of football, <laughs> so I'll go to grounds if, you, if you'd ever done that, to be fair, Greg. Going back to what Holly said earlier about, about shithouses and, and whatnot, do you think Stephen Gerrard is the hardest manager in the Premier League? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Just to quickly put in, yes. Um... Well, I don't know. I reckon, I reckon Sean Dyche could probably have it. I, but, um, have him. I love Gerard. Do you know what? I love him already. I love watching him. I think he's got this bravado, hasn't he? And he's he handles himself so well. And I think he genuinely thrives off the criticism. There were a couple of nasty chants. I mean, look, you know, the, you never get nice football chants, do you, from opposition? But there were a couple of really horrible ones when, when he was coming out um, at Goodison. Uh, which I thought were, you know, wrong. Um, but he, but I won't he, ask you to explain. No, I, and I won't go into those details, but he did the famous stare where he kind of just looked up at the crowd as if to say, sorry, lads, you know, you, you've just given us three points. So the I'm, best I'm thing you can do pretty is pretty chuffed. That is the um, best thing you, you can, can do. You can say what you like to me because I'm pretty buzzing inside right now. And he always gives a little fish pump to the Villa fans, which uh, which I think they thrive off of, off as well. Um, so yeah, look, he he he, he gets it, doesn't he? I, I don't like that phrase. I think it's well overused, but he, he does. He gets it. He knows how to rev up the the home fans and how to um, respond to the away fans. I mean, you absolutely will not do this in the next press press conference. Research. No, before you no, say it, no, on. I'm not doing it. Oh no, where's your fun? Where's your spirit? It's not happening. Look, look, have you faced Steven Gerrard? No, he's a very <laughs> no, serious professional yet. man. I'm not asking him anything stupid. That's not stupid. Do you think you're the hardest manager in the Premier League? No, I'm not. That's what people want to find out. They want to read about your stats nobody, and things like that. Nobody they wants to know, know the hardest manager that. is. Look, when, when we come off Zoom calls, maybe I'll ask him in person. Okay, but we're still fine. doing all these press conferences on Zoom. And it's um, to be honest, it's, 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 not, it's not the best, to be fair. You can't build any sort of relationship on Zoom because it's so remote. So hopefully, you know, in the next few months, we'll be able to get to see him face to face a bit more often. And then I'll ask him and then I'll get your shirt signed for him Cheers. and everything else you want. If you could do that, that'd be great. Pair of boots, sign boots. That'd be nice. I will say manager, captain, tag team. I think Mings and Gerard win against anyone else. I don't think there's anyone else that can match that. that that's what I will say. If it was a wrestle, let's say, and there's tag team. This podcast would be weird today. I've, I've made it weird myself. <laughs> So I apologise for It's the latest start, isn't it? It is the latest start. It's my third bit of work of the day. Oh, yeah, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm having a good time, and that's always the main thing. Let's hear Stephen Gerrard's post-match reaction now and get away from our nonsense. We knew we would have to uh, stand up and be countered today. I think to a man, we were excellent all over the pitch. It was a game of two halves in terms of the style. You know, first half, we had the chance to really play some good football. We did that. We created one or two interesting chances, scored a good goal. Mm-hmm. So that took us in a half-time in a good place. And then it was about, can we adapt to what was coming? I think Duncan's threw more petrol on the fire, if you like, and it was long balls, second balls. It was a case of putting your body on the line and really fighting for the three points. And I'm really proud of the players, what they give. Our supporters played their part as well. They were in good voice. Um, we could certainly hear them. They were behind the players. And the players have rewarded the supporters with a, a good performance, a strong performance and an important win. Yeah, listen, it's an important stage now. We're going to use this opportunity to really work on our fitness, on resetting our identity, working hard on the training pitch. We'll give them some time to see the families and hopefully that'll set us up for the second half of the season. But yeah, we've got some uh, really key fixtures coming up and we want to try and uh, take as many points as we can. That was a tough game. You know, we've got some um, players who are really feeling that in the dressing room. We've had to run hard, we've had to fight hard and put our bodies on the line. So to get that reception on the way off was a wonderful reward for what the players give. Good resilience, Greg. Nice to get a clean sheet. Feels like a clean sheet's been a while coming. 
Yeah, I don't think we've really said this about Villa under Gerrard, but they played in a different way uh, at Everton. They they had to, they had to sort of deal with the physical battle. Um, and, and 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 as Gerrard said, there sometimes the long ball that, that Duncan Ferguson um, told his players to, to go with, and, and and they just fought a little bit harder. They just, just felt like they wanted it a bit more, and that was a good sign, as you say, resilience, bit of grit, bit of determination, um, and that helped them over the line. From memory, that's the first clean sheet since his first game, but I could be completely wrong with that, but that's just popped into my head because they conceded against Palace late. I feel like that's the first clean sheet since his first game. I'm sure there'll be someone out there who will correct me if I am wrong, so apologies if I am. We've already alluded to Greg's Luca Dean piece. If you haven't read that yet and you want to become a subscriber to The Athletic, the best time to do it is now because you'll get a 33% discount. Just head to theathletic.com slash villapod and you'll get access to all our great writing, including plenty of fresh content from Greg this week. You'll also get ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. All you got to do is head to theathletic.com slash villapod to sign up now for a third offer subscription. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Holly, it's one of those rare weekends where both Villa's men's team and women's team win a game of football. Back into defence, Villa wants to transition forward quickly. Perhaps no surprise here, with points at stake. Then Kilda, away from the challenge, tries to thread it through, takes the deflection off of Howard, Layman's in! And would you believe it, Aston Villa punish Leicester with a goal in the 92nd minute. Leicester 1, Aston Villa 2, and it's Alicia Lehman with the strike. Well, it is a cruel deflection. Aston Villa have snatched all three points here, with Leicester being the better team in the second half by a stretch. Light, light, light show for Villa women. Alicia Lehman, you can't knock her down at the moment, she's everywhere. She's sealed a 2-1 victory for Villa against Leicester in a, in a crucial game, really. Yeah, it was. And I'd say Villa deserved the three points as well. Um, it's It was kind of Villa, Leicester and Birmingham all down at the bottom uh, end of the table. And kind of really, if Villa lost that game, it would have put them within that relegation battle between themselves and Leicester and Blues. So to, to beat Leicester kind of keeps them out of it. They move above Everton now as well, I believe. So... Hopefully it kind of pretty much guarantees Carla Ward and, and Aston Villa safety unless Birmingham and or Leicester both go on a really good run of form. Um, yeah, that goal, I do have to admit, it was quite in Villa's favour. The ball kind of took a deflection, spun just wide of the last Leicester defender, leaving it to Lehman to just pass it calmly past the keeper. So uh, they fully deserved it. Carla Ward has just shown how much Villa can continue to adapt and grow and, and kind of build into those really important games as well. So a great win. 
Do you think that would have been the aim at the start of the season, just to stay up? Because we, not, we were talking a few weeks ago about there the might be a danger of getting dragged into a relegation battle. Do you think the club will be satisfied with simply just staying up or do you think they would have expected better this season? I mean, they've definitely brought in a, a really good list of high-caliber players and, and big-name players. So you'd like to think with that expectation alone, they'd be aiming for a little bit higher than that. But already Villa are exceeding expectations from, from what they achieved last season. So I think relegation was definitely out of the question in terms of we cannot be in one um it's I'm not quite sure maybe top half of the table but however West Ham have a really good team Everton have a really great team so in it really this has been the most unpredictable season to the WSL so far um in in recent years so I think Villa have the capability to go on and, and potentially sneak into the top half but I think I think saying to avoid relegation would have been too low of an expectation for Carla Ward. I don't think she'd have set that such a low kind of expectation of herself and her team. So I think probably between 10th and hopefully 6th was probably the aim for them. Well, let's hear from Alicia Lehman now. Here she is speaking at the end of the match. No, it feels amazing because um, it was a very important game, of course, against Leicester. Um, the games before weren't like that good for us. So today was like the most important day probably. I don't know, it can be of the year. So um, that's why we're so happy with the three points. And of course, I'm really happy to score the winning goal, but more important is the three points. At the moment, I feel really good. I actually um, enjoy football so much. And that's why, like, um, of course, as a forward, you always want to score. And I'm really happy I could do this today. Yes, of course. I said right my birthday now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, we look at the league table now, and it looks almost certain to be one of Birmingham or Leicester that will go down in the WSL. Let's hear from Carla Ward as well. No doubt delighted to pick up three points. My voice has gone from, from the amount of shouting. I think I ran 25 t- t- um, yards down the touchline and realised that the fourth official was after me. So no, I had a, uh, it was a, an enjoyable moment. But I'll be really honest, we deserve that. We deserve that because for 90 minutes, I think we were the better side. We knew we had to get in their faces and stifle them. We knew that we had to put pressure on them from the word go. The key today was outworking them because since Lydia's come in, they've got high energy. Um, so we had to make sure that we matched that. And we did, I thought, after 15 minutes, we should have been two up, three up. So, um, yeah, really, really important win. But that's a massive win because uh, the girls the girls have been brilliant these last couple of weeks, so they deserve that. Yeah, listen, she was unplayable at times today. And against Man City last week, it's not many times that you leave Demi Stokes in the way that Leisha Lehman did. But I pulled her at the end and just said to her, look, She's worked hard, she's played well, 1v1s have got better um, and to be honest, in that moment, to finish so calmly in the way she did was sensational. When we went to 1-1, most teams could have just parked a bus and hoped for a point but actually, no, the mentality of this group, we wanted to win the game, we set out to win the game uh, and thankfully we've done that tonight. Since Christmas we assessed a few things and we had to have a look at where we were going wrong and um, we've adapted quite a lot and I think you've seen that in our play last week and this week um, and, and it's paying off so now we have to keep using that, keep building, um, keep working, the, the work's been good but we've got to keep building, you know that's going to mean nothing if we don't now kick on so uh, we know where we want to get to and we've got to make sure that we uh, utilise that. Carla Ward certainly won't be settling for a complacent end to the season, will she, Holla? No, definitely not. I mean, they've got a tough game next against Chelsea in the Cup, but I think they'll be kind of putting all their eggs in in the basket of the WSL and and finishing as high as possible. So hopefully Carla Ward will stay at Villa. There's kind of no inclination that she will leave at the end of the season, but in my mind, she is going to become one of the best coaches in the WSL. And if Villa can keep her and, uh, and her drive and her hard-working nature within the club I think Villa will only continue to go up and up and next season who knows even maybe pushing for a Champions League place
This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We move on now to this transfer section of the show, the one that you've probably all been waiting for. And some big news for the Villa women's team, Holly, because Jill Scott has come on loan for the rest of the season and... That feels like a big moment for the Villa women's team, actually. You kind of thought, you know, when Enia Luko was appointed, that, you know, a big name getting involved with Villa women, that could catapult them to the next level, but didn't really work out, in all fairness. Having a name like Jill Scott on loan for the second half of the season, that's massive. Yeah, 100%. Jill Scott is one of the highest-capped England players ever and, and has one of the, the best honours lists for any English female players as well. Um, I was surprised when it was reported by uh, Tom McGarry that that she was going to be set to sign and, and was actually glad to see that that go through, to be honest, because, like I said, I was so surprised at the time. Um, Jill Scott's contract runs out with the City at the end of this season, so it'll be really interesting to see where she ends up. Potentially, if she enjoys Villa so much, she could sign a long-term deal, but I'm not saying that will definitely be the case. Um I was trying to figure out where she would actually fit into the team because Chloe Arthur has been like a, a mainstay name in Carla Ward's starting eleven since since the beginning of the season, and and Marissa Ewers and Marisha Littlejohn have kind of really you know come on as solid substitutes for her and and for Remy Allen as well. So Jill Scott is going to have to work hard to get into the Villa women's team, and I, I think she knows that. She said that in her interviews as well. So. It's a really good name to bring in good experience and good learning opportunities for Villa's youth and to hopefully continue showing how much of an important team Villa are in the WSL. Yeah, and hopefully uh, there's going to be some more good news, for, more exciting news from, from Villa in, in the next few days as well because I understand they're trying to get another two players in through the door. So uh, hopefully they will help strengthen the, the squad and, and, and take them up to that next level. Yeah, Villa's women's team always looking to improve. A great three points, as I said earlier, and then Jill Scott through the door. Been a good week. And Jill isn't on retirement just yet. She spoke to the club's in-house media channel earlier on this week. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I feel like kind of a kid at the first aid school, uh, making sure I had everything packed and everything. But yeah, what a fantastic club. And I think when I seen seen the plans originally, when I first spoke to Carla, I was, I was blown away by it. So yeah, it's just nice to be here now and, and hopefully get started today. I think just before Christmas, obviously I've said that I've I've wanted more game time, but then that's not me just thinking I'm going to turn up and play. I know there's a great set of girls here and a great set of players and I know I'm going to have to work hard and try and earn a place in the team, but I just wanted the opportunity to do that. So as soon as Christmas approached, I knew a loan move would probably be the best thing for me. I did it last year at Everton and it ended up working out good for us. So that was it really. Your age is always the way that people identify you. So they're like, oh, you're 34 now, are you wanting to slow down? But I feel better than ever, to be honest. So, yeah, I still feel like I can improve and I know that Aston Villa will do that for me. I'm excited for it. I think sometimes people look at, obviously, being at Manchester City and, yeah, we'll win a lot of games and we'll play a good style of football. But I think people forget that I was there from day one and we obviously had to build a style of play and we had to go through a lot of changes to do that. So I feel like I'm experienced in that sense of trying to get a team higher up the league. I'm, I'm up for the challenge and, as I say, I just want to give everything and, and hopefully try and add value to this team. The first thing I said to Carla is, don't judge us by my age, I want to get better. Tell us if I'm not doing well. And she said, don't worry about that, Jill, I definitely will. So, yeah, she's a great person and a great manager and someone that I can't wait to get working for. Glad Jill's feeling better than ever at 34, because I think I'm feeling at my worst at 36. Come to Greg now for the transfer news. Villa seem very interested in Rodrigo Bentonker from Juventus, Greg. From the outside looking in, you know, he's playing for Juve. Mm. Is this Villa trying to take advantage of the fact that clubs abroad don't have much financial power or clout at the moment and they feel that they can take advantage of it? Um, slightly, but Juventus are trying to sign um, or very close to signing a couple of really big high-profile players for big money as well. So clearly they've got money to spend um, at, and will want to try and sell some of their players to to offset those moves as well. Um, I've said in my reports around Bentecourt that if Philly could pull this one off, it would be the biggest shock and the biggest surprise of the whole entire transfer window, not just Villa, um, the, the whole the whole transfer window. More so the Coutinho? Yes, mm. more, so, more so the Coutinho and Dina combined for me. because because, Coutinho, because Barcelona are actively pushing Coutinho out. They wanted him to leave. They were telling every English club, give us an offer and take him. The same with Dean. He was, he was not wanted at Everton at that point in time and Villa were able to pounce on both of them, flex their financial muscles and get them done. Credit to Villa, not knocking them at all, not taking anything away from them. They they stumped up the cash and uh, and sold the project in a way that convinced both of those players to come and they are incredibly high-profile signings. But Bentecourt is different because he's playing every week for Juventus. Max Allegri likes him a lot, um, doesn't want to sell him first and foremost and, and will only sell him if they can source a replacement. Is one of the two that you mentioned a replacement or are they those two separate? They're trying to get a high-profile striker first and foremost, but they are looking at replacements. Um, there's a chance this still goes, there's a chance this still happens. Look, it's active that they're, 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 Villa sent a member of the um, recruitment team over, over to San Siro on Sunday to watch him. That the, the scouts have been doing the rounds um, uh, in various other locations in the last few days or so. So there are other targets in mind. Um, and 
we, we'll see. Look, uh, if Villa get it done, it's a big, big deal and, and fair play to them if they do. Uh, but at the moment, there's a lot of things that they need to piece together for it to happen. Um, I think they. I'm, I'm led to believe that they know how much they will have to pay to get him. Um, and judging by previous deals um, and, and windows, Villa have been able to get the, the, the players they want in if it just comes down to money. Um, so oh, it's just a lot to do on that one. But my contacts are telling me that Villa would definitely get a defensive midfielder in before this window. So that's uh, interesting, exciting. I mean, you think back, you'd have probably said that Villa may have needed a midfielder anyway. And then a camber being ruled out for for a long time probably expedites that really. So it would be a little bit disappointing. I mean, they had a great window anyway. But it'd be a little bit disappointing if a, a defensive midfield player did, didn't make their way into the squad before the end of the transfer window. So that's one mm. to keep your eye on. I presume you'll, you'll have plenty of content coming up around the last week of the transfer window, Greg. Yeah, plenty. I mean, I've done, done quite a bit this week already. We've done, done a big piece on Douglas Louise and, and his contract. He's only got 17 months left. Um uh, for, for, the, for anyone who hasn't read it, go, go and have a look at it. We, we, I won't go into too much details here, but it's just basically saying, you know, should Villa cash in now or should they keep him and offer him a new deal? Um, it's going to be difficult, I think, for Douglas when um, when when a new defensive midfielder comes in because Douglas wants to be uh, more of an attack-minded midfielder, but Ramsey and, and McGinn are both the go-to players now, so he's going to now be in the category of um, trying to be ahead of Sanson and Chukwemeka, which is going to be a challenge in itself. So. An interesting one with 17 months of, of his contract remaining. Yeah, go, go and have a read of that and, and let me know your, your feedback and your thoughts. Should Villa keep him? Should they let him go? Cash in now. Um, uh, and I've done a done a bit on on Bentacore and the and 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 the uh, pursuit of him. There'll be plenty plenty more articles coming up as the transfer deadline approaches. I haven't read that piece yet. Is Bentancur a Ger- is that a Gerard? Signing is that someone Gerard's identified as wanting, or is it more um, of a club signing? I understand he's been looked at for quite some time, actually, but he would, he's somebody that Gerard and Gary McAllister have certainly agreed would 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 help Villa. A couple of loans out this week as well. Cameron Archer's finally confirmed that he's gone to Preston North End, although he wasn't involved last night against Birmingham, was he, Greg? Um, yes, that was Peter Bray. He'll be playing tonight uh, against West Brom. Cam- uh, coming on, oh, yeah. uh, it's all right. I wonder he wasn't on the team. You've had a lot of work. You've had a lot of work on today, mate. It's I looked at right. that team sheet last night. I must have just seen the letter P, and I was just like, "Oh, Cameron Archer's not playing. That's a shame." Of course, yeah, he's not so playing, but he's on playing. He'll, he'll that team. be play- He'll be in the squad tonight to, to face West Brom. Um, Jaden Philogene Bedace has, has gone to Stoke as well. Good, good move for him. Nice to see Keenan Davies get a goal for Nottingham Forest as well, um, and. Ian Reiki's gone to Grimsby, Seb Brevin moved to Hereford. Um, any more we missed? Quite a few gone out. Crossed it well there, though, Greg. Don't mind to remember them all. Yeah, yeah. Quite a few gone out, haven't they? I um, think there might be a couple more still. I know there are some clubs looking at Bradley Young. He scored a couple of goals for the under-23s in the week. L- Louis Barry will, will, will look to get out if, if there's a... Um, if there's a taker for him and, and, and Kane Kessler as well, if he can recover from his injury in time. Yeah, and by the time we next do an episode of 1874, the transfer window will be close. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we might have a new player to talk about next week. As I said earlier, don't forget the 33% discount is back. You can get a third off a subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash villapod. And The Athletic are recording daily transfer shows, bringing you exclusive news and insight on any deals during the January window. Holly and myself feature on that fairly regularly. 
The only place you can hear this podcast is on the Athletic app or by subscribing to the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done so already, you can go ahead and start your free trial today. No game until February the 9th when Leeds come to Villa Park, so we'll look to do a mailbag special next week. Keep your eyes on the real-time section of The Athletic and Greg or Holly will post a request in there early next week. In the meantime, as always, up the villa. Athletic.